from my warren to yours it's the other animals for july 10th 2022 i'm laurent levy thanks for checking us out hope you had a great holiday and that you were able to keep your dogs and cats calm through all those fireworks and that the wise words of our dr tom picard were of use to you so in these hyper-partisan times we live in well, when did we ever not live in hyper-partisan times, really? Yeah. I was walking through my neighborhood, and I noticed several of my neighbors have variations of the hate has no home here sign. I'm sure you've seen these. But one flavor that caught my eye, and it's, it's I guess it's one of the standard ones. Like it's, there, there, are many, there are many variations. But uh, this neighbor has one that reads as follows. It goes like this. It starts off with a very large, we believe. And this is we believe followed by Black Lives Matter, love is love, feminism is for everyone, no human being is illegal, science is real, be kind to all. Okay. Uh, but that's just one around here. Now, I started poking around to see, you know, the variants that I've seen and then, you know, the ones maybe I haven't seen. And uh, one looks like this uh, an offer is one that says, no human being is illegal. And they add that into the mix, or some say instead of feminism is for everyone, that women's rights are human rights. Another reinforces the science, the science is real line with a water is life. Okay, I guess that that's good. All right. Uh, and another one I've seen uh, found that adds injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Like that one. I've seen one that suggests diversity makes us stronger. Every once in a while, you see one that adds a Jesus is Lord, just to be safe. And without exception, each line on the sign, no matter, no matter, um, you know, which flavor it is, uh, each line is in a different color, which I'm presuming is supports the, the rainbow theme of the LGBTQ community. Now, as I was mentioning the first one, the hate has no home here sign. Uh, that's, that's what I think is sort of the, the foundation of it. And I, I think that's the origin of it. And, um, that hate has no home message is when you see that one, that one is uh, generally in a variety of languages. Uh, I, I tend to see it in Hebrew and Arab, Arabic predominantly. Uh, I wonder what that's all about. I can only guess. And they always have that American flag, uh, which is inside of a, a heart. Uh, so that that's that one. Now, not to be outdone, the conservative sentiment has countered with their various flavors of this. And there's looks something like this. In this house, we believe God is real, America is great, all people are equal, and we support police. And they have their own variants too. Some say uh, they add lines supporting saluting the flag, protecting borders, supporting the Second Amendment. They need to go back and listen to last week's show. Uh, energy drives prosperity. I'm guessing only energy made by fossil fuels. Uh, unborn lives matter, That gotta have that. Uh, probably my uh, favorite response to all of these offers is, um, <laughs> I like this one, the, in this house, we believe uh, that simplistic platitudes, trite tautologies, and semantically overloaded aphorisms are poor substitutes for respectful discussions about complex issues. Well, I've got to give them, give them points for grammar on that. Uh, and of course, there's there are several lighthearted derivatives. Uh, one I found proclaims in this house, we believe Greece two is better than Greece one. There are no ghosts, but there are wolfmen. Gum is kind of gross. I've never been to Spain. 
birds are very sexy and Christmas is on December 28th. I'm not sure I get that last one. Another one, or in this house, we believe uh, in this house, we believe you're reading this. You're realizing it's not what you thought. You want to laugh because we all know that these lawn signs are pretentious. Oh, to be above the fray, eh? All right. Well, well, I guess you can you can guess where this is going, because nowhere in any of these signs, the serious ones, the flippant ones, the ones that are too enlightened to be bothered, in none of them will you find a reference to our treatment of, you guessed it, non-human animals. Why do you suppose that is? Well, if one were to qualify the all lives, black lives, feminine lives, gay lives, unborn lives, blue lives sentiment with non-human lives matter, wouldn't that somehow discount and belittle the entire exercise? Oh, now you've gone too far for sure. And yet I think that's the point of all these messages. That's what's missing. That until we get past our own sense of self-victimization, self-preservation, and self-interest, all of these sentiments are in fact self-serving and ultimately self-defeating. The answer lies in a cause that maybe has no self-benefit whatsoever, that's been around since the dawn of time, that is quite literally under our noses, and that we might get around to someday, when all the other self-aggrandized issues are finally resolved. It's, of course, it's very much the other way around, isn't it? Well, my guest today very much understands this and has dedicated her entire life to getting that message out there not a lawn sign. She's, of course, Ingrid Newkirk, founder and president of People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, PETA, which is the largest animal rights organization in the world. And PETA entities have more than 9 million members and supporters globally. PETA has a message that I, I, I think belongs on those lawn signs. Animals are not ours to eat, wear, use for entertainment, or abuse in any other way. This is Ingrid's second appearance with us, and a lot's happened since her first visit back in 2019. This year, she's celebrating uh, the 30th anniversary of her landmark book, Free the Animals. And in our conversation, she'll discuss what has and has not changed since then. But as you'll hear, our conversation will go well beyond that, summarizing where we've been and the vast amount of work remaining to be done. As we did back in 2019 with a guest of this magnitude, we'll dispense with our usual news and veterinary segments and devote the entire program to her. Here now is my conversation with Ingrid Newkirk. Okay, uh, Ingrid Newkirk is president of People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, otherwise known as PETA. That is, in case you've been living under a rock for the last 200 years, the largest animal rights organization in the world. And she's also the founder of all the PETA entities. Her campaign to save uh, animals has been featured in the Washington Post and other top newspapers internationally. She's appeared on countless TV shows and has spoken on animal protection around the world. She is the author, among other books, of Animal Kind, Remarkable Discoveries about Animals and Revolutionary New Ways to Show Them Compassion. And she uh, was the subject of the HBO documentary, I Am an Animal, the story of Ingrid Newkirk and PETA. And she's also celebrating this year the 30th anniversary, can believe it's been that long, of Free the Animals, the amazing true story of the Animal Liberation Front in North America. Uh, Ingrid, it's really great to have you back. Super to be here, Lauren. Thank you. Um, so I, I have a confession. I, the, the book is an absolute, even though it's 30 years old, the book is an absolute page turner, but it's, it is, it is a hard read. And I say that because it, it's, 
some of the you don't you don't uh, shield us. You don't spare us from some of the real uh, atrocities. I, I don't know what other word to use. Just the horrible, horrible things that humans can perpetrate on non-humans. But and I think this is what you want to. I think this is how you you frame the book. It's balanced amazingly with with absolute heroism on the, the the opposite end of the spectrum. You see the best and the worst of humanity. Um, is, was that was did you intend that or did that just happen as you were writing it? Well, I joke that it's my cheap airport novel. It's a good <laughs> summer read because it does pull you along, as you say. I'm, I'm very delighted it does. And it has so many happy endings. There's so many uplifting things. And it's so heartening to know that there are people who give a damn and yeah. are going to get out there and do something. That said, as you say, um, it tells the truth. And yeah. I actually did spare a lot of the details because they're too much to take. There's only so much you can hear. Yeah. But the facts are pretty awful of how animals are treated in laboratories even today. And I wanted to be sure nobody imagined it was just a few animals treated kindly and in vital experiments. But I gave them a picture. The reader gets a picture of what is actually done and how ridiculous and, and insupportable it is. But Lauren, everything in the book is absolutely 100% factual. Every mm -hmm. detail of every raid that these people carried out, removing animals from labs, taking up videotape to show the world, every single thing is absolutely 100% right, except the names mm -hmm. and the occupations of the people, which I had to change because believe it or not, even today, in some states, the statute of limitation hasn't run on certain felonies, and I don't want to see anybody locked up uh -huh. freeing the animals. Uh -huh. But but it's been it has. I mean, these stories are most of these raids that are in the book took place in the eighties, right? Yeah, and, and, absolutely. I mean, they're they're old, and the reason, of course, is um, it, when I was upgrading it or updating it and adding Joaquin Phoenix's introduction and Dr. Emily Chungle's afterward, which is very important, brings us right up to date yeah. with where we are today. I couldn't add more raids um, to bring make that oh, I see. because security systems, forensics, all those sorts of things improved so much that the Animal Liberation Front could not do what it did then today but you know it's funny as i was reading that and, and the, the the technology aspect of it was kind of a recurring theme like so much that in the early days they were struggling with walkie talkies and uh well my my goodness you know we, we could we could certainly have ten thousand different ways to get around that now right but but the, you know the, the technology is always is always in play on both sides you know it's like what what's that the expression you know the the shortest secret is a military secret i'm, I'm butchering that but but the, you know that 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 element so um but i i'm the effort is still going on right i mean the, the, the not to put anyone at, at uh, you know exposing but but i i you mentioned the epilogue and um I, I waited to the end to get to the epilogue because, which is what you're supposed to do. As I was reading, and uh, you know, with the benefit of, of modern technology, when you come, when I came across a certain uh, character, I can go Google him. Like, whatever happened to this guy? 
So, for example, you know, I'd go Google, you know, Taub, you know, what, what happened to him or the uh, uh, generality that you pen. And what, and I, without reading what, what got when, before you get the epilogue, you know, these guys, I don't say they're still at it, but they seem to have come out unscathed. You know, if you read, the, if you read their bios on, on, um, on, on Wikipedia, I mean, of course, whoever writes that, but they're still, they're heroes in their field. And it's like, how did, how did that happen? Or, or am I wrong? Or did, did they, did they take a dent? Or, uh, uh, they took some massive hits. I mean, many of them lost their funding. They lost their reputation outside their own little brotherhood community. And in the book, you know, the very first case is the Silver Spring Monkeys. And in that, you could see the brotherhood in operation, this almost trade society of experimenters descended on the court, descended on the prosecutor, and tried to rip apart the case by defending a laboratory they'd never been in, a man they'd never met, experiments they'd never been exposed to, and saying the most outrageous things. I mean, two things that um, come to mind instantly is prestigious at that time, experimenters, researchers from big universities came to Silver Spring and said things like, oh, cockroach infestation, which of course was throughout the facility. It was just awful. Um, they said, well, that's an ambient source of protein for the monkeys. And then oh, the no. filth, which is days and days of the monkeys sitting in their own waste. And it, it had sat there for so long that the stools, the feces were white. They had built up, piled high in the cages. These people who were trying to preserve their brotherhood came and said, oh, well, monkeys are filthy defecating machines. You can't expect anything else. So I don't have a lot of respect, any respect, for any of them because they would defend the absolutely indefensible. But many of them, yeah, they lost their grant. They were in the newspaper and not in the way they would like to be in the newspaper as revered scientists, but as absolute scumbags. And what they had done to animals was put out there for the public to see. So they did. Taub never touched an animal again. Mm -hmm. He's at the University of Alabama. Birmingham, um, yeah. Yeah, excuse me, Birmingham. Yeah. He does uh, things, God knows what, teaches, but he nothing to do with animals. Good. Um, the, the experiments themselves, this sort of goes back to what we're starting to talk about. They, it, it, you want to you believe that in the 30 years that we've, we've made some, that we have progressed to the point that, A, first of all, we understand technologically, so many organizations, these, these experiments are just not necessary at all. And in fact, they're counterproductive. They don't, they don't do anything other than they, they're a source of funding. I mean, that, that's really, you can talk about that in a minute, you know, that, that seems to be, the, the main thing that drives this is, is the almighty dollar. But beyond that, this is the part of the book that was recurring, <laughs> that in all these years, um, how can how if, how can people be so purposefully cruel and laugh at it and uh, it 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 bothers me because i just i don't comprehend i don't comprehend even giving you know the the money incentive or the or whatever that even if it's you know for the thought of 
betterment of humanity and mankind, you know, that we really are going to get some great cure. And it's, you know, maybe, maybe these sacrifices are worth it, but they, you know, you have the one, uh, so where, where the students are just on the film, the, the, uh, the 26 minutes um, from the unnecessary, fuss. Uh, unnecessary yeah. fuss. And the students are just laughing, you know, the, the, they're laughing at, at, at the crew where they're, where they're smashing the monkey's head against a wall and just laughing about it. And these, these students weren't even, weren't even uh, necessarily part of the, the process, but this, I, I cannot fathom it. <laughs> and you've been at it for so much longer and, and you're, you're in there all the time. Like how, how do you come to terms with, with this side of, of, of the human equation? Well, I think that we aggrandize ourselves and we think we're so sophisticated and that all you have to do is show us as a species, a member of the species, some fact. And we'll go, oh, okay, well, that's wrong, or that's right, and I'll change my behavior accordingly, and that's not how it works. So I was out at Dallas Airport today, and uh, we were protesting Egypt Air, which is shipping monkeys to laboratories. They just shipped 20, I think, to how many? 720 macaque monkeys from Cambodia to JFK. And you have to wonder how many of them arrived alive, 30 hours with no food or water, and petrified having been pulled out of the forest. But I'm standing there, you know, I don't look really threatening. I'm standing there with a little sign that says, please help stop Egypt Air from shipping monkeys in the cargo hold to experiments. And some fellas walk by, I'm sure they've been to college, you know, they're certainly not poor. They're, and they walk by and one goes, hey, can I have a monkey? And I think, you know, you are just epitomizing the sort of mindset that you never grew up and you never have any self-discipline and you go along with what you think the two other guys with you will think is funny or okay. And I saw those people in that monkey lab that you're talking about, unnecessary fuss, and, and the videos on our website. It's worth watching because it really wakes you up. And they're joking and laughing and saying, with his head shaved and the stitches in his head with a brain injury, they're holding this monkey up and going, hey, look, he has a punk haircut. And oh, look at the kitty kitty monkey. And, the, and you think, you are University of Pennsylvania students and you are career animal experimenters with a PhD and you still haven't outgrown this or developed enough ethically, mentally, intellectually to understand what you're doing is absolutely unacceptable. It's like racism, sexism, anything else. You are denigrating the helpless victim that you are holding in your hand. And so I don't try to be a psychologist. I just know this is how it is. Yeah. And we must fight extra hard. And all the good people who are listening, who are appalled, need to stop just sitting there and thinking that's not good and do something. Help us. Join us. Let's squash this mindset. It's it's um, it, it's such it is. It, it requires uh, act action right it requires like you said getting off off your off your butt the the um the, the thing that was the type of action and that this is exemplified in the book it's it's kind of interesting to me as i as especially got to the end and it occurred to me at the end like well there's sort of these two avenues that the animal rights movement has has focused on one of course is is this is the animal experiment and the other one is 
is food, right? You know, it, it, the, the vegan go vegan and all that. And the second one, the second one, there is uh, like, you can feel uh, as I do, right? That, that you're doing something right by, by, by the choices you make your meal choices. And you feel like, well, that's, you know, that's something that is something. Then I read free, free the animals and I feel a little guilty. And I, I want to ask the, 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 the sit-in, the sit-in where, the, where the, the people are going to be arrested for the first time. That really, I, I really, I paused. There's like, okay, here's how old I am. Could I do it? Could I be arrested? Could I be right? Now, you've been arrested probably more times. Uh, I, 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 I feel terrible. I don't know. I don't know if I could stand being arrested. <laughs> <laughs> um what was it like what is what is you describe it really well in the, in the book with the, there there's an exhilaration but it's i mean personally it, it really does it scares the hell out of me what would you say to someone like that who who's like thinking of it's like oh my god what does it really mean to get arrested and have this, this thing this you know you've crossed the line you're on the other side of the law now well first you don't have to be arrested to make a huge difference there are so many things that need to be done that don't require you to cross that line, don't require you to break the law, don't require you to go to jail. I have been to jail, um, real jail, not just a detention center for weeks and weeks at a time, refusing to pay bail. And may I just say, this isn't Nicaragua or you know somewhere where they're going to do, this isn't Idi Amin's jail. <laughs> We're all spoiled. <laughs> you know, the worst is that you have to teach them that you don't eat the mystery meat in between the two slices of processed bread. Um, and you have to sit there and learn to contemplate life because there isn't much else you can do. But honestly, you get over the feeling that, oh, this is scary because it isn't that scary. Um, you think of what the animals go through every day in a see-through metal box in a lab. And every time the doorknob turns, their pulse rate increases, their heart starts booming, their adrenaline goes up. They know someone's coming in to hurt me because that's all they've ever had. Whereas in the jail, someone's coming in, they're probably going to put a metal tray with some food down or tell you that you, know, you have to stand up and be counted so they can do roll call. I mean, who cares? But for the animals, it's hell on earth. Yeah. And some of the got we sued one of the prisons because they didn't provide proper medical care for other women who were in, not for animal rights reasons, but for drug addiction. And they should have. But they can't get away with the things they get away with for the animals. You've seen, I'm sure, on some of our video where there's taking the monkeys out of cages, brutally just removing them in sheer force. The monkey's teeth are chattering, their eyes are wide, and they're sticking them in plastic tubes. I can't imagine having my arms beside me and being put in a plastic tube that I cannot move in and not knowing what's going to happen to me and being scared out of my wits. And someone is laughing, as you said, laughing at me, or hitting me if they can. So, you know, having your hands tied behind your back for five minutes being mm. taken to it, it's nothing, it's nothing. But again, yep. no one has to do it. There's so many other good things we can do to get the animals out of labs. Like what? Go ahead. What, what would you? What yeah. would you 
<laughs> Funny I should ask. Well, you know, well, you mentioned food with veganism, and of course, that's easy. We eat three times a day. Yeah. So three times a day and snacks in between, probably. We can make a decision not to pay someone else to beat up a pig or a chicken. But experimentation has this luxury of it's going on where we're not really involved in seeing it or products aren't coming in front of us. Yes, buy cruelty-free, not tested on animals, no animal ingredients, cosmetics, and household products. And we have those lists on the PETA.org site. Easy peasy, you can download them. But we do have a solution, and this requires people to not be skeptical about it, but move forward and get in touch with your representatives, your senators, your members of Congress, because we have a plan. It's called the Research Modernization Deal, RMD, Research Modernization Deal. We have 19 scientists. We have 1,100 people who specialize in various areas of medicine and research. They came together. They've put together a concrete plan. And we've given it to every member of Congress. It's probably sitting on their desk on the side. So you have to call up and say, Oi, <laughs> will you please, if, you don't, if you've lost your copy, ask Peter for another copy of the research modernization deal. And it starts out very simply because there are experiments you don't need an alternative to because for 40 or 50 years they've been conducted and they don't work. They're just wasting money, wasting animals' lives, wasting time, and people who need treatments are, being, are missing them. So you can just get rid of that whole layer of where you put a monkey in a metal box and you frighten them with a rubber spider or a plastic snake and you interfere with their heads and you try to see, does it upset them? Yes, it does. And what is the application to human health? None. Mm -hmm. So scrap that lot. And then we have the other things where we now have superior research methods, mm -hmm. as you alluded to, we've got organs on a chip, a human heart the size of your thumbnail in vitro. We have high-speed computers. You program not with rat data, with human data. We have epidemiological studies. We have got gas spectrometry, mass chromatography. You've got everything. So what are you doing off there in the lab, taking, oh, let's say, average 16 million tax dollars a year, and you are force-feeding animals and then waiting to see how they die. Well, that, but that is what they're doing. They're, it is, it, it is, it, as I said earlier, it, it comes back to the, to the dollar, the, the financial incentive. And one of your uh, partner organizations uh, we've, we've had on a couple of times, the White Coat Waste Project, really focuses on that. And they take the, the they take the, the, the bipartisan, since you mentioned this, this uh, act that's in Congress now, or I'll we'll talk about that in a second, but you know the idea is that it, that should appeal to not just people who are who, who care about animals, but people who care about waste. And the waste is phenomenal. The waste, the waste is, it's it's like it's millions and millions, is it billions. I mean, I, I uh, and it's it's our money, it's our taxpayer money, and it goes into into nothing. It it yields nothing, but it just it keeps the gravy train rolling, and. 
it's um, and it's bad science. I'm not, I'm not even sure, sure what question, but, but, you know, how do you, you know, those, it, it makes you, it makes you, um, you, you, you want to believe that science, you know, we, we have faith in our scientists. We have faith in the scientific process. You know, we, you know, science has, has took us to the moon, you know, it's, it's done a lot. Why are they, there has to be an, an ethical element to science and scientists that, you know, I'm not saying all scientists are, are just, you know, beholden to their grants and, and their funding, but too many of them are. And, and it's like, given, given the absence of their, of their funding, what would they do? I mean, or do they not care? Well, I, that's it. Yeah. I mean, if you're in the laboratory and you've been year after year after year doing some hideous thing to animals and no one has tapped you on the shoulder and said, hey, you haven't found anything. Where is this going? Um, then you'll carry on doing it because you have a mortgage, you want a new swimming pool, you want to go up, you know, they're well paid. But the, the root of it is, and, and you mentioned the, the group bringing up um, the partisan business, taxpayer waste, phenomenal taxpayer waste, just phenomenal. People have no idea. And it's the National Institutes of yeah. Health, yeah. which of course is the biggest funding agency for animal experiments on the planet. And People were upset with Fauci, yeah. you know, for mm -hmm. these, these experiments with the beagles. That's just the tip, tip, tip of the iceberg. His boss, Francis Collins, head of NIH until recently, hasn't met an animal he wouldn't want to pay someone to experiment on. Honest to God. Fauci also was involved in these transgender experiments on animals. Like, what in God's name is that? Transgender community was saying, what are you doing? This is just rubbish. Anything they can get money for, and it's an old boy network. Everybody over there, Fauci, Collins, that whole lot is, they just carry on funding their brethren. It's just an old guard, old boys network of animal experimenters. They're a wonderful scientist. Yeah. And you know, a lot of them can't get funding because the way it has been since the beginning of time is animals. You get a rat and do something on the rat for oh, five years or so. Then you get a beagle, do the same thing on them for five years or so. Then a monkey used to be then a chimpanzee until that nonsense was stopped. And they're our closest living relatives, so it doesn't work on them. Mm -hmm. All the AIDS experiments that were just garbage. They don't even get AIDS. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, the it's not just the the labs, right? There, there's a whole economy of of the support around the labs, right? Uh, the the yes. what's the Charles? Uh, I think it's Charles, Charles River, River. Charles River, right? And you all these these. It's almost <laughs> I think of you know like like when a when a major sport event comes to town, right? All there's there's the secondary and tertiary economies that grow up around it. And it seems like that we have we certainly have that here. There there is an there is a, a lot of incentive to keep this going. You know, if we really if we really started getting doing the right thing and used organs on a chip, well, all, all those companies go away. They go out of business. Well, you've got a very good point because universities get 20% off the top for any animal experiments that, that's funded through the NIH. And they can use that for flowers, for their reception, for their football team, for, you know, re-roofing their, I don't know. But that's one thing, is this off the top um, percent. The other thing is you have, as you say, you've got 
the cage suppliers and the monkey chow and the dog chow suppliers, the people who supply restraint chairs, decapitating devices, all these things that go into, so yes, they don't like it. And then you have these insidious trade groups. It's like the tobacco lobby. You know, you have the ex animal experimentation trade groups, they're up on Capitol Hill and they're saying, well, you know, we have to save babies' lives. And you think, you're just a bunch of liars. This has nothing to do with babies. It has to do with you can't modernize because you can't be bothered. And it doesn't bother you that you're doing these things that are wasting money, wasting time, not uh, forwarding human health and are just outright cruel. So, so and out, out, outright <laughs> yes. cruel, right? Outright cruel, you know, and again, that that's, that's the problem. I mean, for me, I, I'm stuck on the, on the psychology. I know we can't, we don't really, you know, it's, it's too deep of a subject to even, to even fathom. But uh, again, you know, it seems like we, we talk about what the incentive is with, with the, you know, the economic incentive and there is a frightful disconnect though. Right. Like if, if you're saying you look at that and a beagle, such a, such a, I mean, I understand why they select beagles because they're so docile and, and receptive, but that makes them such beautiful animals, such, and, and to exploit them that way. And to, to turn that, to, to turn that into, in, like, how can you, how could you do this thing? You, you're messed up. You're, you're, you're a, uh, there's something uh, dark. There's something dark about a person that, that can do that for a, a buck. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, um, I, maybe going around in circles a little bit, but, but it, it's, it, you, you mentioned the, um, the, the, the bill uh, is, it, has it been, and you also mentioned Congressman, is it Peter Boyle or Brendan Boyle? Because I, I had. Brendan. Yeah. And it isn't a bill. It isn't actually a bill. It's okay. a plan. Okay. Um, we don't need a bill. I mean, it'd be fabulous if you could get one, but on the federal government, it takes decades to get anything through. What we need is the members of Congress, and there are some really great ones like Brendan Boyle. He's been on my show, and he's, oh, he's great. Yeah, he's been on It's yeah. to stand up to NIH and say, answer our letters for a start. Do you know members of Congress write to the head of NIH and don't get a response? They are so high-handed because they've been getting so much money for so long by saying, trust us, it's science. You don't know enough to question this. Just <laughs> shovel the money in this direction and yeah. we'll take care of it. Yeah, don't worry your pretty little heads, right? Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And members of Congress have a lot of things on their mind, war and foreign relations and you know everything else that's happening in this country. And so here we are coming along and that's why we need people to say, I, I, am in, I really care about this issue is um, to, to stand up and say, we're your constituents and this is a biggie for us. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So that, that actually makes it makes a good segue to, to the, the second major topic I wanted to ask you about. As you said, Congress has a lot on its mind and they uh, movements as reflected by, by the long things that happen in Congress or in, uh, too often in the Supreme Court are reflective of movements that seem to gain a critical mass and uh, something something changes. I think, you know, you mentioned t tobacco. And I, when I was a kid, I, I thought, no way, no way would we ever not have cigarettes on airplanes. I mean, it, the, the tobacco lobby was, 
you weren't going to touch the tobacco. And now, now look what's happened. We no way you would think you would ever have legal gay rights. You know, the gay, that, 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 yeah. no way. You, so these, these amazing movements, these groundswell movements have, have come. None of them will say we're done. You know, the, you know, gay rights still feels that there's a long way to go, but they, they have had a, a great moment. The animal rights movement to me has been around a long, long time. I mean, you go back to Jeremy Bentham or you go back, you know, and, and it's, it's very, it's hard to keep it on the front burner, right? Because all these other movements seem to, you know, have their moment. And, you know, when something major, like we have a major shooting, you know, you have Uvalde, well, yeah, we're not, we're not going to talk right now. My God, it's the, you know, who's going to talk about dog, you know, beagles in a lab when this has happened. And so we were constantly put on the sort of on the back burner. And so you have this very, you know, long-term, almost centuries progress. Um, and I just wanted to talk about that. Like, do, do you ever feel that, uh, you know, we are making, you know, certainly you have to feel that, that we are making progress, but it's not, is it, is it as fast as you'd like, you know, or, or how, how do you contend with this notion of, oh, we're always, we're always in the background? Well, it's obviously not as fast as I'd like, but I do have the benefit of hindsight because Peter is 42 years old, 42 and a half. And I can see from where we came enormous strides. I mean, what you were talking about with food. I mean, who would have thought when we started that you could walk into a supermarket and spend 10 minutes staring at which kind of plant milk you wanted before you could make a decision. And every little girl, when we started, wanted a fur coat when they grew up. Everyone, Ringling Brothers was the Mm -hmm. greatest show on earth. And we used to be mocked and derided. People would throw things at us when we protested. Lots and lots of things have happened. And as I say, we have stopped a lot of experiments and we have wonderful options today. And cosmetics. When Peter started 42 years ago, there were three places where you could get something that wasn't tested on animals, three. And two of them, you had to take your own bottle, one in California, and feed up, fill up the shampoo. Oh so, <laughs> and now we have over 6,000 companies that would never test on animals, don't have ingredients from animals. So, yes, there's progress. What you said, though, is really key is that I am delighted to see other movements um, gain ground and do so quite rapidly sometimes. As you say, we'd never have believed it. I remember marching in the first gay rights march in England, and it, it was just never thought we'd get where we are now. But all of those things have to do with human beings, and that's how people relate is that that's me, I'm a human being, I'm gay, I'm black, I'm transgender, I'm whatever. It's me and my family, I have mem- you know, that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. So here we are saying, this is why it's so important that people recognize, even if they don't think what I think, which is I am an animal, as you said, that was the title of the HBO special. I'm an animal, I'm not just you know a woman or a human being. I'm an animal, biology 101, we're all in this together. Mm -hmm. So if you don't believe that, fine, but you do have to see that you are vital because animals can't rise up for their own rights. It does take us human beings to do that. Yeah. And and, and I think that's the part though, if you're 
mildly cynical. I won't say mildly, but just a little cynical. Like a lot of these movements, as, as you suggest, there is there is an element of it being uh, self-serving, right? If uh, you don't, to some extent, uh, you know, the, the gay rights and or the or the you know black movement or civil rights, all that, you know, because the people that were marching had a vested interest for themselves. I think about even some of the medical, for example, um, and, I, and I don't mean to, 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 you know, Christopher Reeve gets a terrible spine injury and he starts a foundation for, for spinal research or uh, Michael J. Fox gets Parkinson's starts a fund for, and certainly we need that as there's no, there's no question, but it, there is an element to that. It is, it's self-serving. The animal rights movement is not. And to that extent, it brings to me, it shows it's the, that's the best of us, right? That is because I have no vested interest personally in, uh, you know, I, I'm not the one in, in the, in the laboratory getting my head smashed against a, you know, or getting something jammed down my lungs or being, you know, my head shaved off or whatever. Um, that's, that's genuine compassion. That's the best of us. That's the best. But that seems to be the hardest, the hardest sell and the longest journey. <laughs> do, you, do you feel that? Sometimes? You know, it's like. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's great if you can relate to, I mean, Christopher Reeve with his spinal injury, he could then relate to people with spinal injuries. And Michael J. Fox saying that you can then relate or if you're gay or someone in your family, you can relate. So here we have this divide of some animals are pets, which I hate that word. I mean, there are companion animals in your home, please. Don't drag them down the street and not let them smell the lamppost. They need a life too, if they have thoughts. But some are pets, some are dinner, some are tools for research, some are guard dogs, some are used to stand on their heads and entertain us in the circus. We have a lot of these corridors of understanding. And just as people grow up denigrating other human beings who might, they might not relate to, so we grow up with this old habit of, well, you have to eat meat and you have to drink milk for your bones and other advertising garbage. Um, and you know, I didn't, nobody's realized it. So it's very important to show the films, talk to the children and set an example, not use language that perpetuates um, exploitation, even small things like that. Speak up when something is happening. Not because silence is obviously any the the worst. It's just the worst enemy of, of of anybody who's being exploited. So you have to have a little bit of backbone, and you have to use your voice because we are allowed to in this country. Mm. And what a terrible thing is to come to the end of your life and think, oh well, nothing much changed because I didn't speak up, and I could have. So, I mean, that, that, that's a historical, you know, lesson over, you know, silence, silence only exactly. helps the perpetrator and never the victim, right? You have, you have to, you have to speak. What do you think is, uh, if you had to assess, you know, generally, uh, the state of the movement, if you had to like put your pulse on it, you know, that we, you know, and, and you know, you've been out there the longest time, 42 years, you know, we, uh, we probably wouldn't. Always, you know, everything always seems to come back to Peter Singer, animalers that's spawned. But you know, you took Peter Singer and and really made something <laughs> happen with it. Where do you see? Um, I mean, if you had to look at where we are now, where we've been, 
are you satisfied with the progress we've been? Where, what do you see as the next immediate steps, maybe in the next year, five years, 10 years? What, how, how do you, what would you like to be and what's practically, uh, how would we get there? I'm hoping that more people have the singer experience that changed my life. Because I always thought, you know, you should never beat the dog or starve the horse or tie a firecracker to a cat's tail or any of that. You know, I grew up in a household where if a baby bird fell out of the nest, you rescued them. But until I read Singer, and then it really hit me that they're just like us. Mm -hmm. All the other animals have thoughts and feelings, joy, grief, pain. They're just like us. It's just you're not looking at them in that way. You're saying, get a bigger cage, get a longer leash, you know, don't yell at them. But they're their own people and you've taken them from the wild and done things to them. You've taken them and put them in all these places and you use them and abuse them. You see them as hamburger on the hoof, all that sort of stuff. I wish people would have that revelation that I had that said they're just like us and what we're doing to them is wrong. But we've come, as I say, a long, long way it's certainly not anywhere far enough. Um, if to touch on something else you said, it's really, you know, people in the Vietnam War didn't want to go and fight and they went to Canada and they marched on the mall in Washington DC, thousands and thousands of people saying, stop the war. It wasn't so much that they sympathized with the Vietnamese people. It was that they didn't want to go to war yeah. themselves, yeah. right? So understand, I don't want to go and get killed either um, in some war that I don't understand. But I forget what I'm going now. <laughs> so very sad. Um, there is a principle. That's a, there is a principle. You can't just be against war because you're going to get hurt in it. If you're going to be against war, be against it on a principle that you don't think you should be fighting, you should be negotiating or whatever you think. Don't be for women's rights because you're a woman or you're with a woman that you want to impress. Be, be yes. for women's rights because, it's because you understand the principle. Yeah. And all these things, racism, ageism, the principle is that you don't just take a slice of it. You should have the intellectual capacity to see that if you're against needless violence, you're against exploitation, you're against denigrating others, you're against abusing the powerless, you're against using others be just because you can, then you are for animal rights. You're for women's rights, animal rights, the whole gamut. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. it's the principle, it's not it, it, because of you. It, you know what, that, that is, uh, I, I caught that in the book, bring it back, um, the people who were in the ALF who were doing this action, the main character, the, the Valerie, I put her in quotes because I know that that's not her, her name. She, she's basically explaining to one of her counterparts or a new recruit, you know, overcoming the sense that, well, you know, Malcolm X versus Martin Luther King, right? You had, you had to cross over. You had to, you had to do something, even though it was, it may not have been quote unquote, you know, uh, uh, legal or in, in within the bounds of legality. And you mentioned the principle. And when I read that, it's like, you know what? I mean, I completely get that. I get that. But the part that's, that's um, had me worried was I bet that especially right, we're right in the middle of it, right? The, the, the January 6th hearings, the people that stormed the Capitol felt that too. 
but they're, you know, they, they had to say, that, you know, I know this is against law, but this election was stolen. You know, I mean, they believe that they, they, they believe this crap. But it was a little, um, as I was reading, it's like, I bet you, you know, how, how do you do that? But it is the principle, right? And, and, and but what it needs is you need history. You need, you need time because when you're right in the middle of it, you don't know. I mean, did, did we know? I mean, now we look back and say, well, Martin Luther King was a hero. But during when he was doing it, they hated him. Right? He was public enemy number one. And he broke the law. And, and, and I think you'll you'll go down that way too. No, not be with this long. But but how, I mean, is that 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 notion of the principle? Do we do we? Is there anything we can do other than wait it out? You know, just follow you follow your gut and, and believe that that you're right. Well, we have several sayings. One is educate to liberate, and I think with January the sixth, as you say, people were sold a bill of goods. Some people wanted to be sold a bill of goods. Some people don't care about justice and, and decency, um, but a lot of people really believed it, really still do believe it, that the election was stolen. Um, I think that getting video out there, getting um, facts out there, and that's one of the things the Animal Liberation Raiders did, is they brought out videotape taken by the experimenters themselves. Yes. Mm -hmm. So you could see it with your own eyes, that they, they weren't concocting this or they weren't uh, describing it, there it was for you to see. So I believe educate to liberate is very, very important. Not a chance should be missed. We have social media. God knows the enemies of animals use it all the time, the hunters and trappers and all that lot, the experimenters. Yeah. So we should use it. But we also have litigate to liberate. We have negotiate to liberate. There are so many things you can do. But the big thing is we're supposed to be able to influence our members of Congress with what matters to us. And if we're not taking advantage of that, we're letting somebody else just take it away, then we're not going to get very far. I do believe you've got to convince them, the person at the bus stop, the grassroots level, and that then it spills up. It doesn't trickle down. Mm -hmm. But the person at the bus stop needs to get in touch with their representative. Yeah, I mean uh, that that's one thing history always shows us. All all these movements, they're always they're always from the ground up. I mean, how, how you can't think of any of them really that that came in the other direction, can you? I mean, any any of these great social movements, certainly in in my lifetime, and I think historically that that, that would that would bear fruit. Listen, we're we're almost. I really 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 appreciate this. It's been a great conversation. Do you have any any anything you'd like to you know any closing thoughts? Uh, where, where you'd like something, you know, we, we covered a lot, we covered a lot, but is, is there anything, anything like to summarize with? with... Uh, the word summarize doesn't usually apply to what I say, but, <laughs> <laughs> but to go back, if I may, please, 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 if you know what's happening or have a hint of what's happening to animals in laboratories, get in touch with your representatives about the research modernization deal. It's on our website if you forget what it's called. Okay. Also, if you don't buy free the animals, which is fine, borrow a copy or go on, go on our website again. And there's a free video. I did a 26 minute piece and it does show snippets of, of the lab conditions and so on. But it's also uplifting because every single animal, chimpanzees, dogs, monkeys, rabbits, they all came out. That's, they all yeah. got freedom. Um, and of course, please, it, it's a simple thing. But every day on our website, you will see victories. We just freed 
we're about to free 4,000 beagles from oh, fantastic. A, a laboratory breeder in Virginia. And it took a lot of work, but all the legislators came together. The Department of Justice helped uh, our undercover investigation. It was wonderful. And that place will close down now. Oh, fantastic. That's we fantastic. Just, we just got Air France. I said Egypt Air is still shipping monkeys. We just got Air France to say that they will stop. And we just got Kenya Air to stop too. So there are so many things going on that will encourage you, show you you're part of a big movement and show you how important you are. So please come on the website and look around, dig about a bit, and you'll find something that you'll want to get involved in. Excellent. Thank you so much. Uh, that's uh, Ingrid Newkirk with Peter. The book is called Free the Animals, the Amazing True Story of the Animal Liberation Front in North America, celebrating its, its 30th anniversary. Ingrid, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Laura. She is a remarkable woman. <laughs> I, I, could, I could spend hours just talking to it. it is a great honor great honor to speak with her all right anyway that that is the show for for this week um I, obviously thanks to my my guest ingrid newkirk and i i hope to we'll be able to do this on again at least uh on an annual basis all right uh, as always we'd love to hear from you with your comments ideas or suggestions or if you've got a topic you'd like uh, dr picard to address just check out the other and you'll find all the contact information there you can also follow us on twitter and Facebook at the other animals and the other animals one. All right. Next week, I, I sort of stumbled on this idea, but I, I kind of like it. I'm, I'm going to try and continue uh, a series uh, speaking with people, luminaries who aren't necessarily associated with animal research or animal issues. Uh, I'm calling it a series, but you remember last week we, we talked with Alan Lickman about the, the gun issue. And uh, next week, can't make it official yet because it isn't we're working out <clears throat> details but let's just say we'll be looking at the role that science has played in the animal question and why people who care about animals should or should not be wary of scientists and we're going to hear from perhaps the best known scientist in the country keep your fingers crossed and hope you can check it out all right so until then our next show uh, stay safe and as always find a belly to rub see you then